Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibbyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Also, just a quick note that submissions for the Zibby Awards are open and will close on September 15th. Go to zibbyowens.com and you will find the Zibby Awards open submissions where we celebrate all the under-celebrated parts of a book, like the best spine, the best author's note, the best table of contents. And authors can nominate their own best publicists, best editors, and so on. There will be an in-person award ceremony in October in New York. You will not want to miss it. Go to zibbyowens.com. Jillian Madoff is the author of When We Were Bright and Beautiful, a novel. She's the author of four acclaimed novels, This Could Hurt, I Couldn't Love You More, Good Girls Gone Bad, and Hunger Point. Hunger Point was made into an original cable movie starring Christina Hendricks and Barbara Hershey, directed by Joan Micklin-Silver. That was on Lifetime TV in 2003. A former fellow at McDowell, Blue Mountain Center, VCCA, and Fundacion Valparaiso in Spain, Jillian has an MFA from NYU. She studied with Mona Simpson, her thesis advisor, and Jonathan D, and took master classes with Toni Morrison, Grace Paley, and Joyce Carol Oates. I just had Joyce Carol Oates on this podcast. You can go listen to that too. Jillian's MFA experience was life-changing. She sold her graduate thesis, originally titled The Hunters, to HarperCollins, where it was retitled Hunger Point and published as her debut novel in 1997. (laughs) Back then, readers loved the deeply depressed Franny. Now they hate her and her whole stupid self-absorbed family. Times change, culture evolves, and still trauma endures. In addition to writing novels, Jillian has a long career in corporate consulting. Since her early days at Max Factor and American Home Goods in Trump Tower, she's worked for a wide range of employers, including Deloitte and Aon. Now with Sequel Benz, she advises clients on communication strategies for all aspects of the employee experience. She lives with her husband, Keith Dawson, and three adult daughters who come and go. Uh, welcome, Jillian. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss When We Were Bright and Beautiful, a novel. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. My pleasure. Your book is really good. I was drawn in right away. I feel like your depiction of the brother-sister relationship, even though they're not blood relatives, is so on point and how, you know, just how close we all are to having sort of our, our rights just taken away, you know, like Billy gets thrown in jail and how from one minute to the next, you don't know what's coming. And I don't know. It's, I've been like talking to my family about this book, like, and this is the book I'm reading and this is what's happening. And so anyway, but maybe you should do a better job than I just did. Why don't you explain what the book (laughs) is about and also what inspired you to write it, why you wrote it, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, I am a career novelist, and this was my fifth book. And originally, I was writing a novel about, like, it was it was a updated Bonfire of the Vanities. It was set in a luxury building like the Dakota. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know what would be so great? It, to do an upstairs, downstairs, like Downton Abbey, but in a luxury building in the 21st century. And I thought, okay, well, there should also be a crime. It would be looking at uh, class, but I thought that I would do it under the guise of parenting. Mm -hmm. So in the original incarnation, a young girl is kidnapped. And then her mother, who is an heiress, is held on negligent charges. And I was like, okay, it, it didn't have enough to propel like a 350-page novel. I mean, the whole idea of parenting, it was when, I guess, you saw parents being punished for leaving their kids in the car, but it just wasn't as compelling an idea. 
So I said, okay, well, the central crime will be sexual assault. The young girl actually became the narrator, who's now 23. And the book opens where she finds out that her brother has been um, accused of assault by his former girlfriend. And she comes home, the whole family rallies together. And then as the book unfolds, you realize there's a whole other story going on. So I think when I approached the book, it was like, well, I really am delving deeply into this family, but I need to make the book interesting for me as a novelist, like something more interesting to write about or, and also how to make it compelling for me to keep interested because I could have written a straightforward narrative, but I wanted to do something a little different. And so by the time I was like, I don't know, two or three years into it, the Me Too movement exploded. And I was like, oh, you know, we're, the, the market's going to get flooded with, with novels about sexual assault. And I, I also I felt like, how do I bring something new to the conversation? Like, how do you, how do you write about sexual assault? I'm a white woman writing about a white family. How do I do something different? And I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is like a dual narrative where you read the first hundred pages, there's a twist and you realize, oh, wait, this something else is going on. And then you read the next hundred pages and it shifts again. And so by the end, you're kind of like, oh, that's a completely different book than what I thought it would be. And I was really influenced a lot by books like Trust Exercise, which was Susan Choi's book. I don't know if you read it. It was, it was really it's great. My podcast. And yes. Yeah. Because I love the idea of taking a story and then completely subverting your um, a reader's expectations. I think the challenge with this book is that people will look at it and say, oh, I know that story. And it's like, well, you think you do, but it's actually a different story than you think you're getting into. And then by the end of the book, you realize, oh my gosh, this book can be read two ways. You know what I mean? So I, I, I really was unsure if I could pull it off. And then with me too, I thought, oh, do I go back to the kidnapping? You know, do I make it? But then I thought, you know, this is a, a really pivotal moment in, in American history, you know, and I think, or cultural and I just want to take advantage of it and also just write the most authentic book that I could write at this time in my career. Awesome. So. I love it. I love hearing all of that. <laughs> I feel like that was like one long run on set. No, it was really, it's neat <laughs> to know. You know, I especially responded to when you're like, I wasn't sure I could pull it off, you know, because I feel oh, like, yeah. you know, it doesn't seem when you're the reader, like there's any uncertainty in what's going on. Right. And then here's this author on the other end, you know, like, does this make sense? You know, <laughs> oh, all the time. I'm like, so there's a trial. And I spent literally 18 months doing everything I could to avoid writing the trial. I set the book 20 years in advance so we could like refer to it, but not have to go through it. I, 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 tr I tried to get them to settle. There was like this whole thing where the trial never really happened. And then finally, you know, the, my friends were like, you've got to do it. I mean, you just have to face it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm like, well, I'm, it, I could look like an idiot. And they're like, well, you might look like an idiot anyway. That's not what <laughs> you know, So it was really rewarding. And, and then 
at, at the same time, it was so enlightening, you know, like I learned a lot, but my sister is a litigator and she helped me with a lot of the technical details. So. Interesting. <sighs> did, yeah. the, did the character of the doorman, was that a remnant from the upstairs yeah. downstairs? Yes. In fact, the opening scene in that book mm-hmm. was where a little girl has her hand up to, and the doorman thinks she's saying goodbye, but in, in fact, she's waving for help. Oh. And that was the image that started the whole thing. And so now we're talking about it's being pitched to the movies and we're talking about keeping that image in mm. because it is like this harrowing moment where you know, Cassie is sort of taken away from her, you know, like her whole sense of identity gets skewed in the course of the book. You learn that she's got a lot more going on underneath the surface than meets the eye. So. Well, and she's also an orphan, right? Which you learn as as time goes on and, you know, was taken in by these, the mentor of her dad, right? Her dad, her dad's dad's mentor. Right. And yet feels like the allegiance of a blood sibling to her brothers and and all that. And you have this very unsavory lawyer character. Tell me about developing him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the funny thing about him is like, he's one of my favorites. And the the book is so closely Cassie's story. I mean, she starts out saying, well, if this were Billy's story, but in fact, you realize it's her story. Mm -hmm. And she's telling you everything you need to know in the very first hundred pages And so you get the perspective of the lawyer only through her. And the one thing about Cassie is that she is very sexualized and she uses her looks and her sexuality kind of like not a weapon, but as a way of moving through the world. Mm -hmm. She's really relied on, on, I mean, she's smart and, and, and she knows it. But she really thinks that she's got this lawyer down and that he, she and he are aligned in, you know, protecting Billy and protecting the family. And it's only when a few things happen that she realizes she's not the smartest person in the room. And in fact, might be very, very, very uninformed about a lot. And I think that is the painful part of the book is seeing her come into knowledge and realize just how closed off and lonely she feels, you know? It's like when she jokes with him that she's a lawyer because she'd watched all these Law & Order episodes. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right. My sister, actually, she says to me all the time, um, she'll she'll call me and she'll tell me about this case. And she's like, well, you're a lawyer. You figure it out. You know, what do I do? So. Oh my gosh. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How did you end up becoming a career novelist? I grew up always moving. My family moved a lot. And I, I mean, like 17 times. I oh. went to like seven elementary schools, oh two senior highs and two high schools. Yeah. Why? So my dad was in sales. Okay. So we'd move and he'd take a d- different job or a different territory. And it was chaos. I mean, like real chaos growing up. And writing became a refuge. But the idea of actually publishing a book, or, I mean, that was not in the stars. You know, my, my goal in life really was just to be like a middle manager because I also have like a corporate career. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, it wasn't that my parents didn't want me to have ambition. It's just, they didn't want me to be disappointed. And so the way that they dealt with that is don't want too much, right? Keep your expectations in line. This way you won't be disappointed. And one of the ways that I, I really dealt with a lot of loneliness and and upheaval was to create these stories. And so I would just write these stories from the time I was like five or six years old. And they grew longer as I grew older. But again, I never really thought about that it could be something you do as a job. And even as I was growing up, they were like, are you going to go into journalism? And I'm like, no. And they're like, are you going to go into PR? And I'm like, no. Like, I want to write stories, but I knew I would have to have a job. So I got a job and I wrote at night and then I was dating this guy. Oh, wait, what was your job? I do communications consulting. Mm-hmm. Like I started in marketing and now I work with big companies, helping them communicate with their employees, like everything from 401k benefits to health care and stuff like that. So I was at Deloitte and then Aon and now I'm at Siegel. Got it. And so... I went to school, I, I wrote at night, and then I was dating this guy, and I was about 27, and he's, he was working for equitable real estate. And he says, oh, you know, they want me to open an office in Paris. And he said, but I, I think I should go alone. And I said, well, that's okay, because I'm going to graduate school. And I had not even applied. <laughs> I just said, yeah, I'm just I have to have my thing too. But I ended up applying to <laughs> NYU, and I only applied to one school. And I got in and I just think, imagine if my life had gone differently because it was an evening program so I could work during the day and get my MFA at night. And then my first novel was my graduate thesis. So, I mean, my whole life would have been different, you know? I mean, whatever happened to the guy? Oh, no, he, he moved on, different girl, different woman. He's, you know, just wasn't interested. So I wow. became like a... Just, I said, well, this is what I'm doing now. And well, I think he needs a thank you note because if he hadn't, uh, <laughs> if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> no, not at all. Funny so. how life works. So tell me the story of how exciting it was selling your first book. And does it get less exciting the more books you sell or not? 
oh no, it's the first time I, I couldn't really believe it. I mean, it was it, it made such a, a strange thing to to write something and then have your agent call and say, we have an offer. And I mean, partly I grew up as a reader, but I didn't know any novelists. We didn't, I didn't know any creative people that actually got paid for their art. And when it comes to novels, I have, you, you typically have to write the whole thing before you can sell it. So each time is its own, like, it, you never know, you know? I mean, there's certain, I was very lucky when, when I sold my first book because I write novels and not haiku. You know what I mean? It's more marketable to write a funny novel. It just, it came at a time when books were expanding from being like just funny or sad to being kind of bittersweet. And so my first novel was called Hunger Point and it was made into a movie. And then I had a second novel that didn't sell, a third novel sold. And then I went through a really dark time where I just couldn't sell anything. I ended up changing agents and it wasn't until like 10 years later, I sold another book mm-hmm. and each time has been like unbelievable to me. Like, I can't believe it. You know, like I don't take anything for, for granted. It's like, I've had a lot of rejection, but as a novelist, my goal is to get, to get better, but also to take on more interesting and different kinds of projects. So like the book before this one, was a corporate novel and it had different viewpoints and it was really hard. I mean, the the architecture, the structure was really complicated. And then I said, well, I'm going to go into this next one. This is going to be really easy. And this ended up being even more complicated because when you're writing a novel, you're dealing with like different timelines. You know, everything is so intricate and and deeply plotted. It's like a big puzzle. (laughs) So, and then, you know, you hear things like, oh, I wish this had happened and I, or readers saying, I wish that had happened. And it's kind of like to oversee or like carry through uh, ideas from page one, all the way through page 350. And you're dealing with time changes and different points of view. And it's really a, a complex undertaking. I mean, the fact, I just can't believe not only that I just keep doing it. You know, like every, every time I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't go through this again. And then I sit down and I sort of get involved and it, and, and it becomes this like universe that I can sort of live in. And it's so gratifying when you get it right. Wow. Yeah. I don't, sometimes I'm like, I spend all my day talking to people who imagine worlds and they don't even know why or how it actually happens either. You know what I mean? I know. They're like, you know, there's because there's like no science or facts behind it. It's all imagination and these alternate universes and these different ecosystems and people who seem quite real, but are they real? They just like appear to do. Oh. I mean, when you, I mean, it's really like, what am I doing? <laughs> but anyway, but it's amazing. It's like common thread through authors. Like, is it, I mean, one thing that I, I, I speak to a lot of authors too, just in, in passing, and everyone seems, there seems to be that the same consensus that starting is hard <laughs> and finding time to sit down and do it is hard. For me, it's not hard to find the time. It's to, to motivate myself, you know, like I'm very insecure and 
you know, like I'll approach something like, oh, I can't do that. I can't pull that off. There's no way. And then once I sit down and get into it, it's like a weight lifts, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I just sort of start getting deeper and deeper into it. But it's just that first couple of steps into the pool that are really hard, you know? I, I totally understand. And I yes. also feel that way about the pool. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know I'll be having, it'll be such a luxury to just be in a pool, like swimming around, but oh, I, I, I can't even say this. It's like ridiculous. No, but I totally, <laughs> I understand. It's like just the getting, it's like, uh, everything about the whole run up to the, to is very, is very hard. And even after five books or even seven books, or because I had a bunch that didn't, a couple that didn't sell, I still am eat. I always start from a place of, oh, there's no way I could pull that off. There's no way. And I compare it to some male authors that I know. And I've heard that, oh, you know, once I have an idea, I know it's going to work. And I'm just like, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, I don't know anything. I, I kind of write the way I read, which is that like it unfolds for me as I go. So, do you like to read books like yours or other types? Or what I do you read like everything. Read? Everything. I read everything. Yes, including bookends, which I found so <laughs> poignant. And yeah. I, I mean, how did how did how did that feel? Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I have a, for people listening, I'm like in the midst of trying to do my own publicity for bookends while doing my podcast. So I've got my two signs sort of here behind me. I was originally, I was going to swap them out from like one interview to the next, if I was being interviewed or doing the interview, but now they're just sort of double layered. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's, I don't know when this episode is airing, but as we're talking, it's right before the book is coming out and yeah, I'm pretty terrified you know, I'm like yeah. holding my breath, but I had a month where it was a Amazon first read. So I can, I like got used to it. I got through like yeah. all the roller coaster and, but you know, I'm nervous. And I was signing books the other day at like my local bookstore out here. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like what if nobody buys them? What if they all sit in this big stack here for the rest of the summer? And every time I walk in, like none of them are sold. Like how that'll be so sad. And I'll be so embarrassed with the bookseller, you know? So I don't know. Well, first of all, you can always tell you that, tell yourself that that's a whole new stack that they've all sold out and they're just, you know, I know, but I signed them, you know, (laughs) but you don't have to look. Okay. The book is going to be a huge smash. Uh Thank you. I predict that. Thank you. I mean, I think that it's exactly what people want right now. I I really do. And I'm very hopeful for you. And I will be hearing out here. I think one of the things that I have found is when you meet people that understand what it means to to be a writer and what not even if you might not even want to do it but you feel compelled to do it you know there's sort of like this mutual language you know like we you understand that it's just something that had to come out you know yeah I know I'm like why do I care so much but then every time I tried to be like it's okay I'm just gonna put it aside then it would come back you know yeah yeah I would say you know this is just for us this is just for me (laughs) <laughs> nobody has, nobody else has to see it. It's just for me. Just get it down, get it out and move on. I had to do that actually when I talked to my editor and I had the book deal and everything and I had to start writing like a whole new version that it would be this, this book. I remember this. So I, I just sat down and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I just can't do this. Knowing that. It, so I put in big letters in my word doc. No one will read this, but me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then I started, but yeah. Have anyway. you gotten to the end of uh, when you were when we were bright and beautiful? I have not. 
Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I know. I When you were saying it really changes in the last third, I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And when you're finished, go back to the first chapter and and you'll realize it's a whole different book. You wow. know what I mean? It's like one of these, oh, wow, you know? So. Okay. All right. Okay. Coming back to it. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you for oh, coming on. You. you know, I think admitting that vulnerability is so inspiring because so many people share it and don't feel comfortable talking about it. So I appreciate you saying that. And just how great, you know, here's to ex-boyfriends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wish you the best with bookends. And I Thank can't you. wait to see you out there. Thank you. You too. It's okay. such a pleasure. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.